Following the Life of a Franciscan Part 1, Chapter 1, Page 8 The Rule of the Third Order and Your Personal Rule We begin by drawing on our tradition from The Life of St. Francis by Thomas of Celano. Francis writes a simple rule and asks the Pope to approve it. When Blessed Francis saw that the Lord God was daily increasing their numbers, he wrote for himself and his brothers, present and future, simply and in few words a form of life and a rule. He used primarily words of the Holy Gospel, longing for its perfection. He inserted a few other things necessary for the practice of a holy way of life. Then he went to Rome with all his brothers, since he greatly desired that the Lord Pope Innocent III confirmed for him what he had written. There was in Rome at this time the venerable bishop of Assisi, Guido by name, who honored St. Francis and all the brothers in everything and revered them with special love. When he saw St. Francis and his brothers, he reacted strongly at their arrival as he did not know the reason for it. He feared they wanted to leave their homeland, where the Lord had begun to perform great things through his servants. He would greatly rejoice to have such men in his diocese, for he relied most of all on their life and character. But when he heard the cause and understood their plan, he rejoiced greatly in the Lord and promised to give them advice and to offer his support. St. Francis also approached the Reverend Lord Bishop of Sabina, named John of St. Paul, who, among the other princes and great men of the Roman Curia, seemed to look down on the things of earth and love the things of heaven. The bishop received him kindly and charitably and praised highly his wish and plan. The Bishop of Sabina, a far-sighted and discerning man questioned him about many things, urging him to turn to the monastic or eremitical life. But St. Francis, as much as he could, humbly refused his urging. He did not despise what was urged on him, but he was intently seeking other things, moved by a loftier desire. That Lord marveled at his enthusiasm, and, fearful that the holy man might fail in such a lofty proposal, he pointed out smoother paths. Finally won over by his perseverance, the bishop agreed to his pleas, and from then on strove to promote his interests before the Lord Pope. Presiding over God's church at that time was the Lord Pope Innocent III, a glorious man, prolific in learning, brilliant in speech, burning with zeal for justice in matters which the cause of Christian faith demanded. When he recognized the wish of the men of God, he first considered the matter and then gave his assent to their request, something he completed by subsequent action, exhorting and then warning them about many things. He blessed St. Francis and his brothers and said to them, Go with the Lord, brothers, and as the Lord will see fit to inspire you, preach penance to all, 
When the Almighty Lord increases you in numbers and grace, come back to me with joy, and I will grant you more things than these, and with greater confidence I will entrust you with greater things. The first heading, the rule of the third order. The Constitution of the Third Order, which is included as part of the basics, says, quote, The rule of the Third Order is comprised of the principles, the Constitution, and the form of profession and renewal of the Third Order. The rule of the Third Order is the basis of our community life, and it is the expression of our heritage and vision in the Franciscan life. The principles, together with the personal rule of life, are the focus of commitment and renewal for all tertiaries. End quote. All are parts of the rule, and each is vital. All of these parts together remind us that being a third-order Franciscan is not just a personal project. It's about being an active and informed part of a community, both during our formation and after we are professed. In the next several chapters, we will consider the various parts of the personal rule, but here it is worth noting that the personal rule is only one part of the rule as a third-order Franciscan. The next heading, Your Personal Rule, A Form on Which to Pattern Your Life. The personal rule is an offering of love to God. It presents a balanced form on which to pattern our lives. It is a means to an end, helping us grow into full life in Christ. A rule is intended to help maintain stability. A rule keeps the soul pointed in the right direction when it is under stress or arid or not particularly fired up. A rule is an outline of what the soul proposes to do on a daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly basis. One of the tasks of formation is to help the postulant or novice Learn to live an individual Franciscan rule. The content of an individual rule will vary in emphasis with each person. We do not have one rigid rule for all. We have the basic outline of a solid spiritual life with which each must adapt to individual circumstances and temperament. In every case, the rule must never be an end in itself, but rather a tool fitted to the individual that will offer a means of forming a balanced spiritual life. A challenging, a challenge that sometimes arises in formation is that postulants or novices may lose sight of their individual identity and needs in all of this, and mistaking the true purpose of the rule may begin to focus on a rigid, legalistic approach. There's nothing rigid about Franciscan spirituality. Maturity in Christ calls us to freedom, to be joyously open to the new. The moment we become locked into a rigid system, we have lost our way. Next heading. 
an interior tuning of the heart. Discipline comes from the same root word as discipleship. It's not a forced external exercise, but an interior tuning of the heart. This is sometimes hard to realize when we are struggling with the newness or conforming ourselves to a Franciscan discipline. What we must develop as a discipline is turning our hearts toward Christ and a gospel-centered life, rather than a checklist of offices said or missed, books read or not, etc. This is vital if we are to become the mature Franciscans we are called to be. How does your life reflect that interior tuning? In what way does your life reflect growth in Christ? Do you try to develop an attitude of reconciliation and peacemaking? And, and this means toward your own interior conflicts as well as toward others. Are you open to the leading of the Spirit? Is Christ's love channeled and reflected in your life? Is self-denial a matter of humble graciousness or a negative discipline of guilt? Are you growing in the Spirit and developing new ways of seeing and being? Or are you merely going through the paces of a routine spiritual exercise with clouded vision? Is your rule a source of spiritual nourishment or a dead ritual? The next heading. Growing into your rule as into a seamless garment. A novice or postulant may have trouble keeping all the parts of a rule. Not all of us resonate with each of these parts equally. There may be difficulty fitting it all in. Offices sometimes seem dry and may be arduous to keep up. Ministries may get so time-consuming that prayer is neglected. Study may become a drudgery. Some people enjoy the office and some never find it an easy part of the rule to keep. Some are contemplatives who prefer prayer in solitude and find active ministry distracting. Others experience activity per se as a form of prayer. Some read without ceasing, while for others, having to read anything at all is challenging. We strive toward a balance. We all struggle with the juggling act. Perhaps the best gifts the Third Order can give to those in formation our permission to be imperfect, an encouragement to become whole in Christ. Francis also struggled with his rule. Only God can really be perfect, and we, alas, are poor, flawed souls. Even the saints were not perfect. Saintly ideals are wonderful, but it is the saintly nitty-gritty of being human we live with day in and day out. In creating a rule, 
It's often hard to see where one part leads off and another begins. Something our SSF, Society of St. Francis Brothers and Sisters, refer to the rule as the seamless garment. It's one organic whole, which we divide into helpful categories to help us specify how we as individuals intend to live out our rule. Where does self-denial stop and simplicity begin? Where does prayer leave off and work take over? Does not obedience color the entire thing? Eucharist feeds us, but do not personal prayer, retreat, study, and community also nourish us? As an old pop song says, you can't have one without the other. It is an organic whole with no part freestanding from the rest. Our rule should become interiorized so that we are keeping it even when we are not aware of it. It is really living the rule that forms us, defining both our interior lives and our response to the world around us. It helps us to remain centered in Christ and focused on living the gospel as Francis did. The next heading, Your Rule as a Mirror. Each individual rule reflects who each of us is and is called to be in Christ following the footsteps of Francis. It's meant to support each of us in our growth into full stature in Christ and to help us to be in authentic relationship with God and with others. It's not meant to be harmful to us or to others. The nine areas of the rule are aimed at fostering our relationship with God in community. Eucharist, penitence, personal prayer, self-denial, retreat, study, simplicity, work, and obedience. Through living a rule, we are able to develop, know, and live our status as God's beloved. So to sum up, the personal rule is a rough outline that attempts to define not only who we are now and how that fits into a Franciscan way of being, but which will, by design, help us to become more so. As we grow and change, so must our rule in order to reflect who we are and to encourage us to stretch our perceptions of that truth. When we follow Francis, we learn to reflect Christ in every aspect of our being. That is, we should fully reflect the light of Christ in the darkness as the moon reflects the light of the sun. The rule is very much like a mirror to reflecting our being and our becoming as living Gospels. As we conclude, there are things to remember about the personal rule. Point one, it should be designed to fit who we are, not Mother Teresa. It should not fit too tightly so as to bind without comfort nor so loosely as to group inside. As we grow in Christ, it will need a tuck here and a slackening there to fit our life. Next, 
alterations need to be made to, to suit growth, rapid at some times while imperceptibly slow at other times. Therefore, it should be reviewed and updated at novicing and once a year thereafter to reflect spiritual growth in changing circumstances. That's one reason why we renew yearly. Next. Well, in formation, any changes to the rule must be made formally and approved by the formation guardian and the assistant formation guardian and after profession by an area chaplain. Next, it's never an end in itself, but only a way to focus our life on the real goal, which is union in Christ. It always includes all nine sections of the order, while reflecting our specific intentions for incorporating each of the nine points into our life in our unique ways. It should not be so ambitious that we cannot keep it and will feel guilty about falling short, nor should it be so easy we do not need to stretch ourselves a bit to keep it. Lastly, it should have plenty of space in it for the Holy Spirit to work with, in, and through it. We conclude with two sets of questions. The first set of questions. If the idea of living a rule of life is new to you, how do you think your life will change as you begin to do so? What do you see is challenging about living with a rule? What do you expect the benefits of it to be? And the second set of questions. If you've been living with a rule of life for a while, how has your life been impacted by your rule? What parts of your rule do you find challenging? Do you find the structure of living with a rule to be constricting or liberating? To what extent are the commitments of your rule becoming natural and habitual for you.